for tuning in to Hacks and Hobbies with your host, Junaid. In season two of Hacks and Hobbies, we're visited by our amazing guests coming from all walks of life. Want to learn their story, their struggles, and their journey on how they got to where they are today. So stick around. In this episode, we get to speak with Russ Avery, the sustainability the sustainability marketing guy. He's an eco entrepreneur, eco entrepreneur. I'm just jumping all over my words. An ethical influencers member, and I met him through LinkedIn, Instagram, and basically all the social media. This this is the new hangout spot these days. And I had interviewed one of my good friends the authentic Alex and Russ was like, wait, how did you know her (laughs) out here in London and you're out there in the U S so I was like, Hey, I like what you're doing with your, with your sustainability and I would love to bring you on and, you know, have a chat with you. So Avery, thanks for coming on to the podcast. You mean Russ? (laughs) I know. What did I call you? Did I call you Avery? Yeah. Mr. Avery. <laughs> Thanks, Janine. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate you taking the time out. I know it's quite late where you are. Oh, it's my pleasure. Awesome, awesome. So tell me a little bit about how you got into the business of sustainability. Sure. Are you ready for this? I'll try and, I'll try and summarize it as best as I can. Um, so I, I did a degree in, uh, in languages. Um, so I, I did a degree in French and Russian at the University of Exeter. Uh, and I graduated in 2007 into, into the global recession. So that was fun. And uh, I moved to London with, with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife. And I did what all my friends seemed to do at the time, which was float around between various different temp jobs for a couple of years very, very few of us went into full-time employment in something that we actually wanted to do in life. Like that was a rarity big time. Um, so I was no different. I did various different things for a couple of years. And then in 2009, I took a step back and I was like, this is ridiculous. You know, I, I really need to find a career and think long-term. What am I interested in? Because the problem was, you see, Janaid, I wasn't interested in using my my languages, French and Russian, in a practical application. So what I mean by that is I did a degree, but I didn't want to be an interpreter, a translator, a teacher. So it was, you know, the the classic thing. Um, So I thought, you know what? I've always been interested in um, sustainability, the environment, the natural world. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things are only getting bigger in that area, you know, every year as we continue to screw up the planet even more. And uh, I've got nothing to show for it on my CV that I'm interested in this field. So uh, it's going to be hard to get a job in in that area with nothing to show for it on my CV. So I went back to university. Uh, so I started doing a degree with the Open University, mm-hmm. which um, for any of you guys who aren't familiar, it's like distance learning and, and it's uh, massive in the UK. It's called the Open University. And I started doing a, yeah, an environmental and natural sciences degree with them. And while I was studying it, I started applying for jobs. Uh, so my journey really began in 2010 
which is when I started working for SeaWeb, which is a small, um, well, at the time it was a small ocean conservation charity, um, American charity actually, but they had a small office in the UK. So the head office was in uh, DC, um, Washington DC, and they had a small office in London with about four people in it. And uh, yeah, I was really lucky. I went for an interview there, got the job. So I was basically an admin assistant uh, back then. So that was my entry point. And while I was there, I was really lucky. I worked with some in- incredible bosses who were the vice presidents of sustainable seafood and science initiatives for ocean-based projects. And they were really inspiring people to work for. And social media started, social media for business use started kind of getting quite big in 2010, 11, mm-hmm. especially Twitter, for example. And there were loads of um, charities and nonprofits using it. And we kind of saw it and we started getting involved in it. And we, we'd made a YouTube video for the Super Bowl ads one year uh, about ocean conservation, which was pretty cool. And I volunteered basically to start doing some blogging for SeaWeb and some social media use. Yeah. And so you can kind of see where this is going. Mm-hmm. I kind of fell into marketing by mistake. And I've got social media to thank for that. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, my own curiosity to, to ask to do it. Yeah. Um, I was, say so I was with SeaWeb for two years. And in 2012, uh, when my wife and I were expecting our first child, we moved outside of London to a place called Farnham, which is where we live now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had to change jobs. So I started looking for a new job and... Honestly, the stars kind of aligned at that point because I found an opening with uh, a small sustainability consultancy yeah. called Carbon Credentials, which at the time was you know five people big, and it was based in Farnham, so it was almost a bit too good to be true. Applied for that job as their marketing manager, got the job, and then uh, that was just an incredible journey. I was with Carbon Credentials for just over four years, and in that four years, we moved from a small startup in a shed in Farnham to a company of uh, 50 people uh, based on Regent Street in central London. So it was just, it was just awesome. Like amazing learning curve, surrounded by great people, uh, fantastic organization to be a part of. Um, and we're nearly, we're nearly there, don't worry. <laughs> and then uh, while I was there, I got, uh, I got poached by a competitor. So another corporate sustainability consultancy. Mm-hmm. Um, gave me a call and asked me if I wanted to be their marketing director. And uh, they were small as well. And the opportunity to grow them was, you know, really appealing and apply what I'd learned at Carbon Credentials somewhere else. So I did that. I took the job. I worked for them for two years, uh, helped them grow in size. And then uh, in the, in Christmas last year, so Christmas, well, not the one just gone, Christmas 2017, mm-hmm. January 2018, I uh, took a step back and decided what the next adventure for me looks like. Mm-hmm. And it was either going to be a sideways shift probably to another company in-house as the in-house marketing director somewhere else yeah. or something bigger, which for me was going it alone and starting my own business. So, uh, yeah, I decided on the latter and, uh, that's where I am now. So yeah, started Russ Avery consulting in April, 2018. So I'm still less than a year old, I guess. Nice. That is yeah. 10 months old. Very cool. Yeah. 10 months. Yeah. There you go. That's a really cool story. I mean, getting, falling into marketing by accident, that's, that's really funny. Marketing is just such an amazing thing because you, you're not just talking about things that you love, 
but it's like you're you're like talking to your friends about your favorite things. It's not some. I mean, unfortunately, marketing and advertising looked hand in hand from the beginning, but it's not really. Marketing is not advertising. Absolutely not. Recently, the book came out, um, Seth Godin's This Is Marketing, and that book is just mind-blowing. And I'm like, wow. You know, this. so anything you're doing, you, you don't really need to market. You don't need, I mean, you don't need to advertise. You just need to find your your crew, your tribe. and Absolutely. So, you know, the, I mean, I know it's such an obvious statement, but the internet has just been such a game changer it for obviously for every, well, not every, but a lot of sectors and industries, but yeah. for marketing, I mean, it's just completely changed yeah. everything in some ways, but not in others. Cause you know, you've still got to tell a good story. You've still got to make the emotional connection, you do, but, yes. but in terms of being able to reach the right kind of people with the right message. I mean, it's just completely changed. And uh, I, I love it because um, I have accidentally, if you liked, ended up using my language skills, mm -hmm. being a linguist, because it's all about communication. So yeah. it's, it's really funny the way things work out. Um, so there's definitely a lot of luck and serendipity thrown in, that's for sure, into my, into my story. No, that is, that is really, really cool. So do you spell, do you still know those languages, um, Russian and French? <laughs> okay. So I'm embarrassed to say that I, my Russian is absolutely terrible mm -hmm. and, uh, I basically haven't used it since <laughs> I graduated in 2007. So that's, uh, 11 years ago now, which is scary. Yeah. Uh, and my French should be a lot better than it is because my wife is half Belgian and okay. speaks fluent French. Okay. And uh, we speak French to the kids as well nice. to bring them up bilingual. But ser seriously, like we've got three kids now. And mm -hmm. when we had our first, we spoke French to her a lot. Yeah. And as soon as number two arrived, it completely went out the window. Yeah, <laughs> too much work. <laughs> it's too much work. Yeah. It's, it's so difficult. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still there in terms of understanding it, but speaking it's not so strong anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I have three kids as well. Uh, oh, nice. Eight-year-old, a four-year-old, and a one-year-old. Okay, so we're very similar. Very similar. Oh, that's a six, six, four, and one. Six, four, and one. Okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty crazy, man. And uh, one question that I get asked more than anything at all is, can I watch TV? <laughs> Dad, can I watch TV? Uh, can I use your phone? It's, and it's, it's tough. I mean, trying to tell them no all the time. It's, it's like, no, <laughs> why? <laughs> because we're, we're trying to teach them to, you know, use more of their imagination than their imagination being controlled by what somebody else imagined. Well, exactly. Right. If, you, if you're watching TV, you're watching the result of what someone else has come up with. Exactly. Whereas when you're reading a book, obviously you're imagining it in your head because yeah. the word, it's only the words that are painting a picture. Yeah. Do you try and do you try and get the kids out into nature a lot, trying to bring it back to the sustainability side of things? Well, um, what we do do uh, is my son and I we both love to ride bicycles. Okay, great. I've gotten him. Uh, I'm trying to get him to train <clears throat> this spring and um, winter and spring, essentially. So when he's nine or later this year, he could probably do some races and whatnot, but we'll see how that goes. 
it all depends on how much training he does. I haven't been training as much as I should have been either. Um, <laughs> it's it's very tough, especially and you understand with having especially having two three kids. It's like okay, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like getting time out of the day, it's it's like okay, it's and and you know, picking to work for your own self. You know, that's what you picked. And it gives you a lot more time, right? Or does it Absolutely. take it away? Because uh, it, gives you, it gives you more. Say something that's been one of the most interesting observations from becoming an entrepreneur and starting my own business was, um, look, I get that it can be the busiest, loneliest job ever. Mm-hmm. But I totally have not experienced that. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be at all. Mm-hmm. So I have... I have way more time to do the things that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Way more time. Mm-hmm. I'm not, for, I mean, for a start, I'm not commuting into London four days a week, you know, for my job. So there's, there's eight hours a week eight saved. Right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eight hours a week saved instantly. Uh, you know, you can, no one, very few people take their full hour that they're allowed for their lunch break, say, when they're working for a corporate, you know, environment. You just, you know, there are very few companies where you can actually do that or where people take advantage of the full hour, even if you are allowed to do it. Mm. Now I can do whatever I want on my lunch break. Right. And the point is, it doesn't even need to be a lunch break. It can be at any time of the day because I'm only bound by client meetings, mm-hmm. client calls. Mm-hmm. But other than that, you can do the delivery that you've got to do for your, those clients at a time that suits you. Yeah. So, you know, if you're not feeling great one morning, it makes no difference to me because uh, I could, I can work that evening and I, I'm not one of these people whose brain switches off after 6 p.m. So I can actually do really productive work in the evenings, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was that was definitely a good question because I think that's been a really interesting part of my journey is uh, like learning what's been true about entrepreneurship and what people told me and what's been a bit of a myth mm-hmm. or hasn't been true for me. So the loneliness side of things, for example... I've, I'm on, I can honestly say, Janaid, I've found it less lonely in some ways than working at my last company. Mm-hmm. The, the amount of other freelancers, entrepreneurs, small business owners that I've met through LinkedIn, Instagram, yeah. online, offline has been amazing. And the community is so strong. Very strong. And people are so generous and willing to help out and collaborate and stuff. Yeah. It's amazing. It, it's, it's really only a lonely journey if you do not put yourself out there right. to meet other people and to reach out to people, like look how we've met. Exactly. We, we just randomly met through, you know, LinkedIn and Facebook, Instagram. And we're like, Hey, let's make a call. Let's talk and see where this goes because that's really what you could do. You can, you just have to ask. And that's another great book. I just started reading. Um, now if you, that was uh, recommended to me by Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income. Because you, okay. all you really got to do is just ask. That's all it takes. It's the smallest thing, but so, so few people seem to do it. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like you, um, you, you know, how have you got some of the people you've got on your podcast? You've just asked just them. Ask it's them. So you want to be on the podcast? And-, and there'll be people out there thinking, how did Janae manage to get whoever, like Alex Galvez or whoever. It's like, well, I asked her. I just asked him. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's exactly what uh, Mark Metry of Humans 2.0 podcast 
right? Yeah. He's talked to some big people like Seth Godin and yeah, huge names, huge names. And he yeah. was, he was just named as one of the top growing podcasts by NASDAQ. Yeah. I saw that. And I'm like, wow. It's a, it's a phenomenal achievement. And I actually, it's funny. I reached out to Mark yesterday yeah. on LinkedIn just to say, dude, <laughs> I can't believe, I can't, I can't believe you're 21. And, uh, like you're, you're absolutely killing it. Everything you're doing is awesome. And just keep up the good work. Yeah. And you know, another person who is making the entrepreneur's journey less lonely for people is Richard Moore. Do you know Richard? Yes, I do. He just, he was, yeah. So like, you know, everything, everything he's doing with the entrepreneur business live events is getting people who, in my case, this is what the London ones were like that I've been to were getting people who've met, met online or, on his Facebook group or yeah. on LinkedIn some way and getting them in a room together. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to me, to me and, she, and it's just the yeah. simplest thing. And you know, Richard's a master community builder and uh, you know, Mark Metry's doing that in his own way through his podcast, because actually that does build a community because he gets incredible people on there, which gets an awesome number of listeners mm-hmm. on his podcast. And then they follow him on LinkedIn yeah. and then, you see people that you know in the comments and suddenly the whole cycle. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. It's absolutely amazing. And I'm, I'm excited to say that he's going to be on this podcast in a couple of weeks. Yes. Nice. <laughs> that is so cool. Is that a first announcement? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first or second. I think uh, so I did a little ha- uh, Hacks and Hobbies Facebook page and uh, I just posted on there. That we're gonna have a guest, Mark. That's great. On here pretty soon. Um, so, so here's my little story. So I've been I've been doing marketing. Well, have been involved in marketing from the perspective of as a graphic designer. Ah, okay. Right. So um, when I first started working, it was just I was just creating little small advertisements for my uncle. Cause he had, he had just started his, um, business and we were just putting these book stalls together at mosques during Friday, uh, you know, after Friday prayer, so people can come buy these Islamic books and whatnot. Yeah. And so I would make these flyers and Microsoft word and I just went into this path of designing things over and over then I got into web design and got into user experience design and, you know, just design. I love how you started designing stuff in Microsoft Word. <laughs> well, well that's, that was, uh, you know, 1997 or 98. So, you know, we, there, there were probably Photoshop 1.0 or 2.0 around. Yeah. And, you know, Word was easily accessible to almost everybody. And it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess I'm just building tables and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, like the, the amount of tools that are available today is so fantastic. Like you can jump on Canva. They've got these templates you can download and you, all you got to do is update the text and boom, you're good to go. And, um, it's pretty fun. It's nuts. I mean, I, uh, people, you know, you've got to be taking advantage of all the tools that are available to us now. Oh you really God. do. There's no excuse, especially when so many of them are free. Yes. So I shared a guide just before Christmas mm-hmm. on LinkedIn called um, the, the 23 creative apps that I'm using right now mm-hmm. to create all my content mm-hmm. for myself and my clients. Yeah. And uh, 
yeah, I think uh, out of the 23, you know, pretty much 20 of them are free to use. Yes. And yeah, sure, sometimes they have pro, pro versions, but otherwise apps like Canva, mm-hmm. Over, which I use daily for oh, Instagram posts. So good, isn't it? I, Over is amazing. You know, Over is so underused still, I feel. It is when underused. I, when I mention Over to people, they're like, oh, Over, I haven't heard of that one. Do you not use Canva? And I'm like, <laughs> no, I do use Canva. But I use Canva to create eBooks and guides for, for LinkedIn. Yeah. Are you not using Over yet for your social media? You're crazy. <laughs> what people don't realize, right, is Over is in on your phone. Yeah. You all those things on your phone, whereas Canva is only available on your desktop. And I am a huge proponent of building things on my on my iPhone. And my actually my the cover image for the podcast was I designed it on Over. <laughs> I found, yeah, image. That's awesome. I found the font that I really like and then um, I, I contacted uh, over and I was like, which font are you guys using? Because I want to use it on my desktop. Amazing. I'm so happy you're a fellow over user. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Because people, like I, I mean, I've designed stuff on Ava. Yeah. People just don't believe me sometimes that I did it all on my iPhone sitting on the train <laughs> on the way into like a meeting. Yeah. They're like, no, surely not. I mean, you must have had a laptop at least. <laughs> but no, have you, you've got to get over you now. you got to get over. <laughs> you just got to get over it to get over it. <laughs> <laughs> No, so I, I did have one question about over. Since I don't, I just have the free version. I don't have the pro version. Okay. How does the scheduling work on there? Oh, uh, Interesting. It's one of the one features on Over I don't use. Okay. Okay. So I've got, I have got the paid for version because um, you can save, because if you use it for clients as well as yourself, yeah. you can save color palettes, all their brand assets, their logos and stuff in it. It's just amazing. Yeah. So the paid subscription is well worth it. But interestingly, I don't use the scheduling okay. feature yet. But it's only due to, you know, Lack of time and not having checked it, it out yet. That's true. It's, it's <laughs> we're not able to, you know, use all the tools that are available because scheduling is something that I'm super uh, interested in. Because um, I want to schedule thirty days out. Nice. Yeah. To four posts a day on Instagram, and these are, these are all going to be stories, so I can schedule them out, and every day I've got three four stories posting on Instagram. Oh, you're going to share them as stories as opposed to proper posts, yeah? Yes. Okay. But uh, for the proper post, I just have the cover image of the podcast. Yeah, sure. But I want to also do the headliner versions, like a minute long audio audio bite and post that on Instagram. Oh, I like that idea. That's good. That sounds like a solid strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, one of the podcasters that I know, um, his name is Justin Wynn of the Get Your Grind Up. That's exactly what they're doing. They're posting a minute-long yeah. uh, audio bite. They're also providing those minute-long videos to their guests so they can post it from their own <laughs> accounts. That is the simplest thing it to is, get right? extra reach. It's it just so simple. You like if you like share it with the person yeah. that you just interviewed, who nine times out of ten is going to have a hell of a lot more followers yeah. than you, and that's exactly and what it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can, they can swipe up and click on the link and go directly to the podcast. Like that's genius. So <laughs> I had him on the uh, episode, and uh, I think three, four episodes ago, 
that I published. So he's got all those tips and on that episode. And I was like, dude, this is, this is gold. <laughs> this is gold. That's great. Yeah. Awesome, man. So marketing, we love marketing. Um, we love sustainability because we all got to save the earth. And yeah. I think, I think Facebook started the, what you look like 10 years ago challenge. To, oh, the 10 year challenge. Yeah. It's, it's just to help their algorithm figure out who, what you look like. <laughs> yeah. I read all about that. Right? And then, it was just, it's, it's a, it's a genius marketing move basically. It is, it is, it is. <laughs> um, I think what somebody did is they posted the 10 year, uh, picture of the the ice the iceberg was it the climate change ones? climate change yeah. ones yes so um yeah great to bring that up so basically what happened what because i didn't take part in the 10-year challenge myself yeah me neither I almost did, but i to be honest it was hard enough trying to find a picture of me 10 years ago so i just gave up <laughs> but I, I thought about it but you're right um so i saw I started seeing loads of posts on Instagram mainly, but also a couple on LinkedIn mm -hmm. saying, this is the real 10 year challenge. Yeah. Like here's the, um, like here's the ice shelf in Antarctica or the glacier in the Himalayas 10 years ago. And here it is today showing the receding, uh, line, yeah, you know, yeah. front line of the ice shelf, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I also saw ones about like wildlife and, uh, the numbers that have decreased in, in the last 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I was like, that was good. That was some, that was some good sharing going on on Instagram that week. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so you're helping sustainability agencies market themselves. Is that correct? That is one of my groups of clients. So, um, sustainability consultancies. Um, so for those that are listening who don't know, say, I'm, I'm working currently with, I think, five corporate sustainability consultancies. So those are consultancies who are helping other businesses okay. with their environmental efforts mm -hmm. in some way, shape or form, whether that's uh, helping them to comply with like energy and carbon legislation or just helping their other businesses to be more sustainable mm -hmm. through, through sustainability strategies, resource use, etc. Yeah. Um, so yes, I'm helping those consultancies to market themselves better. Mm -hmm. so the knock-on effect for, you know, it may not be obvious to everyone. The knock-on effect of that is that I am helping a sustainability consultancy yeah. to sell more of its services so that it can have a greater impact mm -hmm. on, on the work that it's doing. So, you know, they're able, by marketing themselves better, they're able to win more businesses and do more of the excellent work that they're doing, which is helping people save you know, millions of pounds on their energy costs every year. If you're a huge corporate real estate firm, for example, and you have loads of buildings, uh, it's helping SMEs to be more sustainable and have more sustainable supply chains. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a whole a whole range of different issues that these companies are working on. And it's just mm -hmm. so rewarding and fulfilling to be able to do that work. Um, and as we go into 2019, I'm looking to work with some more... Um, like environmental charities and maybe some social impact charities and stuff, because that's all sustainability as well at the end of the day. Nice. Cause uh, I mainly, the companies I'm working with, it is mainly the environmental side of sustainability, but sustainability also has a huge social side, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So 
So uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. We're only in January, but things are going uh, things are going pretty good so far. <laughs> nice. So, one hobby that you wish you got into. Yeah. What is it? You know my answer already, don't you? <laughs> so, it's, uh, so I started, so it's guitar. The answer is uh, playing electric guitar. Okay. And, uh, oh man, talk about, you know, wishing you'd started something like as a kid or whatever. Mm-hmm. I first picked up an electric guitar in uh, maybe 2002, three. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's right. It was on my, it was on my year out between school and university. Mm-hmm. Uh, right at the end of that year, uh, after I'd been traveling, uh, just before I went to university, I um, I bought a secondhand guitar from a thrift shop. Yeah, uh, just on a whim. It was like it was like twenty pounds. It came with an amp and everything, and it was an old. Yeah, it was amazing, and I just absolutely loved it. Picked it up really quickly. Uh, just really enjoyed it. Loved playing with it. Um, you know, again, the internet. You can find like guitar tabs for all your favorite songs. Like it's so easy. You can find tutorials. It's, there's no excuse not to be able to teach yourself basically. And you know, this was before, this was uh, 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. it was before all these new things that I see ads for like musician and yeah. all these new ones. That look amazing. Yes. Um, you can still find the tabs. You can still find YouTube tutorials. Uh, but getting to the point, I, uh, I played a lot at uni uh, much to the dismay of my flatmates and stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and then I, uh, you know, it started dropping off a cliff and then, um, I played every now and again. And then as soon as we had kids, I think my guitar never came out of its case again. Yeah. Uh, and you know what, Sinead, I, um, this year, one of my goals is to get it out, pick it up again, because, the big difference again is the amount of time I have to myself now since I started my own business. So, uh, mm. if I, if I want to start playing guitar again, it's really on me to make it happen. And I definitely can, cause you know, I could play for a few hours a week and I used to really love it. So yeah. Nice dude. That's awesome. What's funny is around 2003, uh, myself, my brother and my friends, we started a band. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Um, I didn't play any instruments, but I sang and it was a lot of fun. It was, it was definitely a lot of fun. And then, um, I think I got married a few years later and I was like, okay, it's, you know, I'm not doing that anymore. It's me or the band. It's me or the band, exactly, man. (laughs) So what is your favorite movie or TV show? Oh, wow. Okay. Talk about opening up for a whole can of worms. Uh, movie, favorite movie. It's so hard. Uh, so massive movie fan right here. Um, I First thing I ever wanted to be was an actor mm-hmm. uh, since the age of about four or five when I first saw Indiana Jones and the Temple oh. of Doom. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to, I'll just throw these out there. They're not necessarily my favorites, but... It's an impossible question, say, mm-hmm. because of nostalgia and childhood memories. Um, yeah, so Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Superman 2 with Christopher Reeve. Um, so that video, like VHS, got watched so much in our house. And uh, the worst thing ever happened, which is that um, when I was about five years old, um, our house got robbed. Oh, 
and uh, the VCR got nicked and the tape was inside yeah. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, still, I still remember when my parents broke that news to me. Oh. Uh, it's like I didn't care about anything other than Superman 2 had been stolen from oh. the VCR. I couldn't believe it. That's, that's, a, sad, that's a sad day. So um, I, uh, I love movies uh, a lot, and I was very lucky at university. Um, my French and Russian degree was modular, which means you could choose um, lots of different modules, whether it was uh, French and Russian history. Okay. or I, So I always chose the cinema modules, and Exeter is an amazing university for film studies. Yeah. I went in every year for both languages. I chose whichever film modules were available, so I studied a lot of French cinema and then... Mm a year of Russian cinema as well. So I'm really into my foreign film, uh, indie films, art house films. Yeah, I just love, That's love, really cool. love the movies. If you're able to watch a movie and understand the language they're speaking. It helps. <laughs> it helps, right? Because I'm so sorry, much is lost in subtitles sometimes. I cannot, I cannot understand it. People are raving about Narcos, the TV show. Okay. There's, they're speaking a lot of uh, Spanish in there. Yeah. The Netflix show. And so I started, I, I watched probably half an episode, or maybe one episode. And I was like, I can't do it because I'm, I'm, I can't focus on the imagery. I can't focus on the sun. Right. Okay. And, and I'm a huge movie buff as well. Uh, yeah. A friend of mine, he just started a podcast just to document his process of making a short film. Oh, wow. Okay. That is an amazing reason to do a podcast because you're done yeah. the entire process it's like because my my daughter she wants to you know when she grows up she grows up she might want to do a short film because she wants to go and work for pixar it's like all right fantastic yeah, that's pretty awesome so yeah. that's a great call i love it yeah so i was like that's that's really awesome awesome man so playing the guitar and watching from Indiana Jones and Superman 2. That's awesome. <laughs> perfect, right? It's perfect. What could be better? What could be better? Now, I'm still trying to work on, you know, the different questions that I asked toward the end because it's a process, right? You got... Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're learning as well. I get it. Mm -hmm. So, I was just creating this form. I was like, hmm, what kind of questions should I ask my guests? <laughs> because I've only been guest on like two or three different podcasts. I'm like, wow, you've got, you've, you guys got a really good plan. Um, one gentleman I spoke with or was on his podcast was Tyler Wagner. Uh, he has the Business Blast podcast. Uh, he's also the CEO of Authors Unite. And with the podcast, he's able to do a thousand, he's done a thousand interviews, a thousand people in 10 months. In 10 months? In 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew, how are you able to do this? He's like, well, the first 200 were a pain. And then he's like, I got to systemize it. So he said, it's all systemized now. So it's like, okay. I mean, even with a really good system in place, that seems like an incredible number. <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of questioning. So he's he's basically asking the questions, and the guest is doing all the work of you know. Of course, yeah. So I think it was pretty cool. Really awesome guy to talk with. Um, so did is is this leading to you asking a final amazing question that you learned from him? I don't. 
<laughs> I wish. He did manage to uh, get Gary Vaynerchuk on his podcast. And if you, you probably heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. He's everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere now. And uh, it's like, wow, this guy is on point. Like last year, is, so I started my podcast last year and it was after I had finished reading his book. And I was like, all right, I've got to make a chain. I've got to make a move because if I don't, it's on me, right? It's nobody else's fault. It's my fault. And absolutely the reasons I'm, I'm like pushing myself and, and building this content and, uh, you know, just getting out there. It's fantastic, Junaid. And yeah. I've been doing the same thing. Like, in fact, oh, today I just posted on LinkedIn yeah. that it's the last day of January. Here are some of the things I've done this month. And it's all because I, even though 2018 was a massive year for me, starting my own business and having such a great start, I was still guilty of making too many plans, mm -hmm. but not taking enough action to make them happen. Yeah. I really wanted to change that. And I just, I've just done it. So January has been just amazing. I've probably done as much in January as I did in the last three months of 2018, honestly. Because, right, so as you do more things over time, you get better at it. Like, Absolutely, when you first started yeah. driving a car, like, all right, let me just focus on the road. Don't play any music. Don't be shaking your hands at the back. Just let me drive. Don't talk to me. Don't talk, Don't talk to, to me. me. I'm just trying to focus. But now, right, after 10 years of driving, you're like, I got this. I don't need to look at the road. <laughs> Playing music, you know, making a video, whatever it is people do now. Uh, <laughs> It's it's pretty it's pretty awesome and and that's I hope no one out there listening is is making videos while they're driving. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make videos while you're driving unless your phone is already on the outside of your car and you press record. <laughs> well done, there you go. Um, safety first, people. <laughs> exactly, safety first. Well, Russ, do you have any question for the audience? Actually, you know the big question is. Where can people find you and what are you offering or what can people learn from you? Oh yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, um, that's great. Um, thanks for asking. That's, uh, people can find me on LinkedIn um, and it's just forward slash, you know, the forward slash in forward slash Russ Avery. So if you search Russ Avery, you'll find me on LinkedIn straight away. Awesome. Um, Instagram is at Russ Avery Consulting. Mm -hmm. And YouTube is Russ Avery Consulting as well. And the second half, like, why should people follow me? Um, so I'm sharing content daily on Instagram about sustainability, marketing, and entrepreneur life um, and everything that I'm learning along the way. Uh, I do Ask Me Everything every Friday on Instagram. Um, so definitely get involved on that if you've got any questions for me. So the next one will be tomorrow. Um, yeah, on LinkedIn, I share content, I guess, about five times a week. Sounds about right. And YouTube is probably about one or two times a week whenever I've got a new video to upload. So I, I do interviews called Q&A where I interview people involved in sustainability, whether it's a sustainability startup or some other kind of company. Um, so my most recent one was with a guy from, uh, from Bali called Thomas Despan, who's just bought an island off the coast of Indonesia. It's amazing, man. And he's turning it into a sustainable luxury resort. And again, that connection came through LinkedIn. And I just reached out to him and said, hey, just saw you're doing this. Let's, let's jump on a call. And That's so awesome. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Russ. Uh, I will be posting all of those links on the show notes for the podcast so people can quickly get to you. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, Junaid. You're welcome. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode on Hacks and Hobbies. We absolutely appreciate your contribution. You can find additional notes on hacksandhobbies.com. Please share the podcast with your friends and tell them what you learned about our guest today. 